It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 3-2. That's line down the right field line. Slicing. Will it stay fair? Yes, it will. And it bounces into the corner. Altuve around third. He'll score. Bregman into second base with an RBI double. And the Astros lead it one to nothing. 3-2. And that's roped into right field. Coming in and playing it on the bounce is Santander. Around third is Bregman. He'll score easily. An RBI single for Alvarez and a 2-0 lead for the Astros. Boy, he threw him the kitchen sink. He threw him everything he had. Hadn't seen the slider yet. That's what he got on 3-2, and he hit a single. And he rifles this one to right center field, and that's in the gap. That one will roll to the wall. Scoring is Torinos. Altuve, he's booking for third, and he's going to stand as he gets to third with a triple. Trail runner with decent speed. He represents the potential go-ahead run. Outfielders better be on your guard. For Presley, I'm sticking with the slider still. 3-2 and two to VR. Payoff pitch. Swing and a miss! Got him on an elevated pitch. And the inning is over. Back-to-back case for Presley after a walk and a single. And we're through eight innings. Astros three, Orioles two. And that is lined and into the shift caught by Altuve. That ball was hooking back toward him, and that is the ball game. Shift pays off for the Astros as they defeat the Orioles tonight by a final of 3-2. to two. Astros win their seventh in a row. Well, Jose Altuve's first triple of the season. He made it count, knocked in the winning run. It turned out for the Astros. That RBI triple in the seventh gave him two hits on the evening. His average back over 300. All is right in the world when Altuve's hitting 300, and for that, he's player of the game. There comes a time in everyone's life when talk is cheap and it's time to show up to get back to the top and build a legacy. If we grind together, we can take it back. Our team. And our city. This is why we play. This is who we do it for. Take it back. For tickets, go to astros.com slash tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTRO. Greetings from Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore, Maryland, where today the Houston Astros play the second game of a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. Astros took the series opener 3-2 yesterday as Jose Altuve with a couple of hits drove in a run with a triple. Robinson Chirinos 2-4 for four with a run scored as the Astros have won seven in a row in 17 of their last 20. Orioles have dropped four in a row and six of seven. Astros 76 and 40, first in the AL West, 10 games ahead of Oakland, while the Orioles last in the AL East at 38 and 77, 37 and a half games behind the Yankees. Time now for today's pitching matchup, brought to you by Houston Methodist, the official healthcare provider for the Houston Astros. Houston Methodist leading medicine. Aaron Sanchez on the mound for the Astros today, making his second start since coming over from the Blue Jays and. You can't get much better for a debut or for any start than Sanchez in his first outing with the Astros. Six no-hit innings, part of a combined no-hitter. Yeah, how dumb was that to set the bar that high? (laughs) That was unbelievable. Six no-hit innings in his debut, and he tweaked a couple things. We talked about, hey, the Astros got their their hands on him. Is he going to put it into play in that first game? He did. He he threw more four-seam fastballs. He, He the, the curveball usage was a little bit more than he had 
uh, in previous starts this year and talked to him on the bus last night after the game. He said it's going to go up even higher. The, the curveball usage, he wants to get that in there uh, as much as he can. Now, he's got a, a finger issue, and, and it came into play his last game, and he was dabbing that on his pants. There was blood all over his pants uh, by the time he came out of that game. So he's been dealing with this for about two and a half years now with the blister issues, some things in, in the fingernail, things like that. But if he can just kind of grit it out and continue to pitch, we see the Astros, uh, what they've done for a lot of pitchers. Uh, he might be the next one. Meanwhile, Aaron Brooks on the mound for the Orioles. Astros saw him earlier this year and in previous seasons with the Oakland A's. It's, it's been a rough year for Brooks. He's been in the rotation, in the bullpen, a 5.45 ERA this season. Well, the new general manager for the Orioles and, and Sig Dell uh, talk about Mike Elias you know, they're, they're bringing over a blueprint, and, and they've got their hands on Aaron Brooks as well. They want him to start elevating the fastball, throw more four-seamers, throw more change-ups in, in the curveballs and things like that. So that's what he's done his last couple of starts. They've been pretty good for Brooks. So I would imagine the Astros are game-planning against somebody that's going to throw a lot of four-seamers up in the zone, a lot of breaking stuff down low. Keys to the game brought to you by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals on all models. Official sponsor of the Houston Astros. Well, the Astros certainly have had games in which they've played a lot better than they did last night, but were able to pick up the win. And you and I were even talking after the game off the air about how it seemed like all the breaks went the Astros' way and uh, didn't go the Orioles' way. And, boy, doesn't it seem like that's how it goes when you have a team that's playing well and a team that's struggling. It always seems like the team that's playing well gets more of the breaks, and we saw that breaks. last night. Yeah, you're right, Robert. In, in, you know, you got to give uh, the Orioles credit what they've mm -hmm. done against the Astros this year. They've only allowed 12 runs in four games, averaging just three runs per game uh, against a, just one of the best offenses in baseball. I thought Dylan Bundy was great last night. They had a good game plan for a lot of these Astros. I don't happen to feel like the Astros – uh, are very good against change-ups, mm -hmm. and we saw a lot of that with, with Bundy, and I think we'll see a lot more from Aaron Brooks tonight, a lot of change-ups. Coming up next, we'll go into the coach's corner and hear from Astros bench coach Joe Espada, whose brother-in-law, Brandon Hyde, is the Orioles manager. And a little later, we'll hear from Jeff Blum, Astros broadcaster and former player, but now this from your local station. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that good Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford Bach? Carbox Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Joe Espada, Astros bench coach, before the Astros take on the Orioles and uh, Orioles managed by a guy you know very well, Brandon Hyde, your brother-in-law. You're married to Pamela. Brandon is married to Pamela's sister, Correct. Lisa. Right. Uh, of course, you and Brandon, your relationship goes way back, right? Yes, it does. We, uh, we first met in 06. Uh, Brandon Hyde was my uh, first manager in my first professional coaching job. I was mm -hmm. a sitting coach in Greensboro, North Carolina, able with the Marlins. And then we pretty much kind of move up the rank together. He, I, I became a coordinator. He became a double-A manager. And then we both had a chance to work together in the big leagues with Miami. He was the bench coach and I was the third base coach. So we, we've known each other for a very long time. And it's a, you know, it's, uh, we have grown in our careers. And it's, you know, it's always fun to uh, see him on the other side of the dugout. So now Brandon met Lisa first, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. They, they got married in 05. Okay. Uh, they were dating, I think they first met in 03. They got married in 05. So, yes, they met first. And then I met Pam 
in the summer of 09. I was a coordinator, and she was uh, kind of driving down south. Uh, for, she was going to medical school in Florida. Mm-hmm. So in the weekend, she used to come down to Palm Beach. And uh, when I was there, not roving, you know, not roving, uh, kind of laying out around the around the pool. And I'm like, you know what? I want to go introduce <laughs> myself. And and now we're married, and we got two wonderful children. So it's great. So what was Pamela's reaction the first time you asked her out? <laughs> she said no. What? Robert, she said no. So I asked her out, and she said no, uh, straight face. And uh, it didn't stop me from trying again. So um, I asked one more time, and she said, okay, let's just go out on a date and see what happens. And it worked out, but it was no. And it was, I'm like, okay, I kind of like this girl. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you like someone more after they reject absolutely, you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, very independent. Uh she was going to medical school. She uh, she's a doctor, and I kind of like all that, you know, independence and how she you know had a vision about and passionate about medicine and all that kind of stuff. So kind of you know I'm like man, that's kind of attractive in a woman. I find in like baseball relationships with the players, coaches, when it's it really helps if you have a wife or a girlfriend who's somewhat independent because you're you're on the road a lot. You're you're kind of doing your own thing, and it helps if someone has something something else, some other interest, right? I agree, I agree with you, and that's one of the things that I you know attracted me to her. Like she always she had her career, she had her goals and her plans, and she understood what I did, and we both had you know passion for what we love doing. So um, super attractive. Now she's not practicing, so she's at home with the girls. But one day she would like to go back and uh, and do her thing. Now, you and Brandon Hyde were pretty hot commodities this past offseason. Uh, interv- there were six managerial openings. Brandon interviewed for all of them. You interviewed for five of them. As a matter of fact, Baltimore is the only one you didn't interview Correct. for. Uh, what was that whole experience like? How much did the two of you communicate, if at all? Because, I mean, obviously you knew you, you guys were going for the same thing. You know, we learned a ton. We both did. And we, you know, we were not afraid to share our opinion and our our experiences with each other. You know, we are competitors, but we want the best for each other and for our families. And we felt like at some time, at some point, we both going to have an opportunity to manage in the big leagues. And I'm glad that he had uh, a chance to do it. And but we, you know, we talk, we share our views and how things went, without giving away our, you know, our our secrets right, about the uh, right. the interviews. But uh, but it went it went really well, and you know, he's. Uh, uh, he's enjoying his time in Baltimore. You know, it's it's he's, it's, it's not a an ideal position right now. Things are not going well, but he's learning a ton, and um, he really likes the young you know young group of players that they have. And I mean, you, and you know, Mike Elias since he was over here before Sigma Dell was also over here assistant general manager and so there's some familiarity there at least with you with with what the what Baltimore's trying to do right 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 and you know when Brendan was going to interview for the job he called me and he wanted to you know talk to Blue right. about Mike and what Zig we all about and you know I, I thought there were there two really good front office personnel pretty sharp really smart so I think that Baltimore is at some, you know they're going to get back to the top they do you know it, you see it here in Houston and I, I, you know, I no doubt that Baltimore will, will, will get it going. All right, Joe Espada, Astros bench coach, Brandon Hyde's brother-in-law. Uh, good, good luck. Always good to talk to you. All right, thank you. Back with more of Astro Launch right after this. What if I told you Colin McHugh was capable of doing the impossible? 
dodging liners, allowing his defense to turn two. You don't believe me? You'll have to see it for yourself. Tom McHugh turned into Neo. On Saturday, August 24, 15,000 fans receive a Colin McHugh dodging bobbling presented by Germania Insurance. How did that ball not hit him in the Adams app? I have no idea how that ball missed it. Astros.com slash promotions. Welcome back to Astro Launch. I'm with Jeff Blum, the Astros TV analyst, uh, ahead of this second game of this series with Baltimore. And Blummer, about 10 days ago, you and I were walking into the clubhouse in Cleveland, uh, right past the, the trade deadline, maybe 10 minutes after 4 o'clock Eastern time. And we thought, man, they didn't do a whole lot, but at least nobody else did. But then we got the news, man. That was that was unbelievable. When you when you get Grinky, uh, Sanchez, and Biagini, it was almost an embarrassment of riches, wasn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I'm with you in the sense that I was excited about the trade deadline. And reading you know Justin Verlander's tweet, knowing that the guys inside the clubhouse were just as excited as yeah. we were, was kind of interesting to me. And I'm with you as as four o'clock hit. There was a little bit. It wasn't deflation, but it was like. Man, we could have done something more. But at least nobody else did. Yeah, but at the same time, you're right. Nobody else did. And then we looked up and we got kicked out of the clubhouse because there's team meetings going on. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, we start to speculate a little bit. That's not the only reason you got kicked out of the clubhouse, by the way. Yeah, I know. I've got I've got history. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but we want that's for another another time. And we find out that they made the Granky move. And all you know between the two of us, all of a sudden, you know, as much speculation as we had about the lineup with everybody getting healthy, all of a sudden we said, where do you put Granky? Do you put him in between Cole and Verlander? And how does that work out? So, yeah, good times. And I I like being embarrassed with all the riches that they have. You know, I I don't think anybody wants to get ahead of themselves, but I think it's pretty clear right now. Yankees, Dodgers, and Astros are the best teams. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, Dodgers look to be left-handed heavy Mm -hmm. in in their lineup, so you want to get guys in there to face really good lefties. Yankees, more right-handed, right? Yep, and they struggle against left-handed pitching. That was the only thing. I mean, if you're going to question anything, the only thing I really feel like maybe they did, if you had to pick a, you know, a weakness in this team, maybe that left-handed reliever out of the bullpen who could come in and match up with some of those guys right. like you're talking about with the Dodgers. And oddly enough, the Yankees not swinging the bats well against left-handed pitching. That's the only thing. Right. Okay, so I ask you that mm-hmm. because if you're, the, if you're the Dodgers or the Yankees or another playoff team, what's the weakness of this Astros offense? Uh-huh, yeah. Right? Exactly. I, mean, yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, hard to pinpoint. Yeah, but if you sit there and you say, okay, if I get to the eighth and ninth spot where Josh Reddick is hitting ninth, he's going to put together a tough AB. Okay, we got to go to that uh, eighth spot where Torinos or Maldonado is going to hit. And Maldon- I mean, Torinos has actually been swinging the bat well, but if you pick those two spots, think about how long it takes you to get to the bottom part of that order. Right. And that's only two spots. I mean, that's, you know, six at bats over the course of a ball game that you're trying to grind through the other seven guys to get there. Are you yeah. kidding me? And those guys have flashes of pop anytime, any anywhere. So, you, I mean, there's damage waiting to be had, but you can't just pick on those two guys. So I want to ask you, is it, former hitter and when I watch this team grind out these at bats they take so many close pitches how hard is that to be able to do that and and how do you get better at that yeah I'm I'm actually jealous of the fact that they're actually working with a big league strike zone now as a hitter that's a little more consistent than what you and I played with going back and I hate being the guy that's like oh back when I played I had to face Smoltz who had you know six inches off the outside corner but we knew that going in so you knew you had to expand and defend a lot of that but these guys have done a very good job of understanding that Major League Baseball's tightened up the zone and the umpires have become very consistent with that zone and they get a little bit edgy sometimes 
but they have the ability to lay off those pitches on the outside part of the plate or the inside part and force pitchers back in the zone. Right. And that's what makes them so dangerous. And that's I'm in awe of that because you see it from guys like Michael Brantley, who you expect it from, tenure veteran in the league, understands the strike zone, understands how to you know have a big league at bat. Right. But when I see guys like Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, and some of these younger guys do it immediately when they get to the big leagues, that tells me the Astros are doing something very good in the minor leagues to help to help them comprehend what the zone is. As a hitter, is it easier to take pitches east and west of home plate than north and south? Yeah, it is because that top part of the zone is it, that's a portion of the zone where you, you don't want to chase up out of the zone. But a lot of so times, enticing though, right? It, it is enticing because you see it better. You see it. You feel like you see it a little bit longer, but it gets on you quicker. And that's probably the hardest part on some of these fastballs is your eyes tell you it, you see it so much better out of the hand up in the zone, but that you really have a tough time understanding the velocity of some of those pitches. That's why Verlander and Cole are so effective up there. But at the same time, when you see a ball, a, a breaking ball, take a curveball, you know, like we've seen from Garrett Cole and Wade Miley a couple last night where they kind of jump out of the hand and immediately your brain shuts down and says, no way that gets back in the zone. Almost coming out of your crowd, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so you don't want to open up that front shoulder and create an uppercut type swing to, to go after that pitch. Then all of a sudden it's back in the zone and they get the call. So that's where the tough part for me is that uh, north-south. I'm talking with Blummer. Blummer, um, looking at the, the numbers the way we do now, and we study the analytics and things of that nature. Would these numbers help you to be become a better player all around? I think so. I think, you know, we had tendencies and we had certain counts and then we really had, to, it was more self-reliance. Uh, when you started to accrue some experience against certain guys, it would be funny. I remember we would have our scouting meetings and they would just go, you know, it'd be cut and dry. This guy throws his fastball 60% of the time and he has a slider, rarely throws a changeup. But I knew as a left-handed hitter, I was going to see the changeup. It didn't matter how he was pitching to the bulk of the guys. I had to take it into my, on, you know, on my own account to understand how he was going to pitch me because I hit the slider good, I hit the fastball good, and he knew if he had a changeup in the zone, I was going to struggle with it. So I had to kind of do that, and I know that's where they kind of individualize things now with the analytics that they have. They can break it down, you know, almost pitch by pitch, hitter by hitter, and I think that's where I would have really benefited seeing some of those counts where some of those pitches were coming in. All right, this sounds funny to say. This is the last thing. I think the Astros go as far as Alex Bregman can take them. Yeah. And, and you and I have talked off camera or off, off air about it's amazing the numbers he's put up, and we, we don't feel like he's been right for an extended period of time the entire season. And if in the next two months he can start to get hot, this team can go all the way again, don't you think? Absolutely, and I think A.J. Hinch feels the same way because I don't know if you if you guys talked about it with Robert as far as constructing lineups, you know, where are you going to put yeah. uh, everybody in the lineup when they get back? Mostly Carlos Correa. So Carlos moves into that sixth spot, then it bumps Yuli Gurriel into that sixth spot or seventh spot. But I, I honestly, I didn't anticipate Alex Bregman being the guy in between Michael Brantley and Jordan Alvarez. Right, right. So to your point, I think A.J. Hinch felt the same way and put Putting Alex in that four spot really puts a lot of pressure on the pitching staff because he's that guy that's really a strike zone control guy. And you, you could also tell that he wanted to keep Brantley and Bregman back to back because those are two hellish at bats for a pitcher to go right. in there and understand that exactly. if, he, if he doesn't make his pitches, he's going to get hit. And if he stays out of the zone and they don't chase, you've got two guys on with Jordan, Correa, and Yuli coming up behind him. That's, so, that's actually three. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's insane to think about what's, you know, yeah. how deep it is, but those are the purposes of putting that guy in there. But I think that A.J. put him in that four spot because when he is going, he is capable of not necessarily carrying the team, but really, you know, putting a hurt, yeah. really hurting on a pitching staff and force the issue a little bit. All right, that's Jeff Blum. Thanks for catching up, bud. Always good touching There you. comes a time in everyone's life when talk 
is cheap and it's time to show up to get back to the top and build a legacy if we grind together we can take it back our team and our city this is why we play this is who we do it for take it back for tickets go to astros.com slash tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS